to all of our friends and family around the world. Brie here with my handsome hubby. Ooh, praying your week I is like off that. to a stupendous start. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, I'm excited for today's episode. But before we start, just a quick shout out to Jill Nelson, Bridget Nunez, and Naomi Williams for sharing last week's pod on the Instagram. Thank you so much. It does. It blesses us to hear from you and to know what you're being blessed by on topics and guests. Woohoo! Okay, we have done a couple of episodes on the more empirical side of male-female roles, feminism, and all that, and we thought it would be good to get more practical. So if you're a husband who's wondering what it can be like to have a wife at home or a lady looking into homemaking, this ep is for you. Yeah, because homemaking is such a lost art, and many of us didn't grow up in nuclear homes with all the tools passed on, so we thought it would be a good area to discuss. And same disclaimer as last week, we know homemaking isn't possible for some, especially for single moms, and we'll be doing an episode for you real soon. But for those who've tried homemaking and are finding it difficult or are moving that direction, we hope this is a help. And whether you live in the city, the suburbs, the farm, large home, small apartment, we've tried to craft this on principles that work most anywhere. And we definitely sympathize with those making the transition. When we got married, Brie was thriving as a real estate agent and loan officer. She's like, when I say thriving, <laughs> within 18 months, she was pregnant and married to a poor pastor trying to work from home and on food stamps. And it wasn't easy, but we wouldn't have changed it for the world. Amen. You ready, my love? Yes. Ethan, ready? Let her rip. Well, hey, I would say we just get into it right away here today. So let's start with the principles of homemaking. Okay, I'll speak to the ladies because I think when we discuss homemaking, many of us don't even have a picture of what it is because modern culture is so marked by frantic busyness and freeways to do lists and social media so that even when we choose to stay at home, we end up actually spending little time investing in the home itself and end up prioritizing external pursuits. Hmm. Explain, Lucy. Okay, stay at home, especially where we live in Orange County, is associated with the Range Rover, Yorkie, dropping the kids off at a private school program, <laughs> you know, in uniform, grabbing a chai tea latte before yoga and maybe membership in the PTA, being a team mom, reading nutrition labels. But very few of us are taught that being a homemaker is a called vocation, a full-time career where we invest all of our energies, creativity, and a life of sacrifice to raise and launch a family that honors God. That's really good. So homemaking is a real career that demands a woman's careful diligence and preparation, just like anyone in a high capacity career. She just doesn't get paid for it. Yeah. I like how Dorothy Morrison commented on Proverbs 31 saying, homemaking is not employment for slothful, unimaginative, incapable women. It has as much challenge and opportunity, success and failure, growth and expansion, perks and incentives as any corporate career. I actually read an article that said that if you take a homemaker's planning, prep and management and then total up all the hours... Most stay-at-home moms are easily worth six-figure salaries. Well, I do not know about that, but I do (laughs) know that statistics always rank family life as the top priority for people, even over financial security. So pouring all our time and energy into the lives of people who we love most is a rewarding task. And many people are surprised at how much time and energy it does take to keep a household running optimally because there just isn't a profession out there which requires us to be on, you know, in quote, 24 hours per day, have endless variety of skills, not only care for mundane tasks, but also be investing tenderly in the future development by encouraging, you know, guiding, counseling. And caring for the hubs too. Yes, a joy, my love. 
But that is a homemaker's goal, not to be ostentatious and self-demanding, but to graciously and confidently preside over our little home, blending into its surroundings, efficiently meeting the needs of its occupants and serving the guests who enter in stores, just all around making it a place of loving care and committed service. Angel of the hearth and heart of the home. Oh, my love. And really the key Bible passage that guides a homemaker is Proverbs 31. And real quick, for those who aren't familiar, Proverbs is a set of teaching guidelines for Jewish families in Proverbs 31, 10 to 31, probably written for young King Rehoboam by his mom, who we could talk about another time, deals with the selection of a godly wife and lays out six characteristics about her. Okay, number one is her character, specifically in verses 11 through 16, that she's trustworthy. And it even emphasizes how her husband's care is priority numero uno, and how he can trust her to manage the home properly, how she's a careful steward of the family resources. And And number two is her devotion to the home, where verses 13 to 24 say that she's good with her hands and works with diligence and is able to make prudent spending decisions and plan ahead for unforeseen circumstances and that she stays well-groomed, I like this part, and appropriately fashionable. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of ladies miss that being a homemaker doesn't mean we can't help financially. It's good to be creative, you know, helping bring in side income. And I'd emphasize the last part, that it's biblical to take care of ourselves and stay healthy. Not that we put unnecessary time and money there, but we want hubby. Hubs. Hubs. Coming home to someone who's put together. And number three is her generosity to neighbors. And you've always been incredible at this, my love, like a light in the neighborhood. I actually just saw a couple at church who started, you started a Bible study with 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And that's verse 20, which clarifies, in quote, she reaches out to those in need. And number four is that she teaches with influence. And this is another people don't associate with homemaking, but it's vital because verses 25 through 26 describe the impact she has on others, whether it's through her conduct or her work words, people want her counsel, and she she makes teaching a regular part of her home, and obviously that's founded in the scriptures. And number five is obvious. She's an effective mother. In verses 27 and 28, there's a spontaneous response, I love this, from Hubs and the kids <laughs> expressing their joy at how well she's running the home and how much they revere her. And lastly, number six is her reward, which reminds that earthly beauty fades and has little value, but a woman who loves and fears God will not only be publicly praised, but eternally rewarded. And of course, that is what Paul clarifies in Titus 2 when he tells the older women to teach the younger women to love their husbands, love their kids, and be sensible, pure workers at home. Well, hey, let's slide over to preparation. So let's picture there's a gal out there. She's listening to this and she goes, I've always wanted that. I'm ready to go. I want to build my home. Where does it start? Oh, there's so much. First, I'd recommend the Homemaker's Handbook by Pat Ennis and Dorothy Miller. It's packed with Bible and practical answers for all of this. But I'd say the first thing to do is remember, you know, try to picture the Garden of Eden and how God originally put Adam and Eve in the garden. And we could assume Eve's job was to be the immediate caretaker. So picture that garden. They have boundaries with some kind of security fencing, living plants, vegetables for food, and often an atmosphere of peacefulness, which is a beautiful picture of what a home can be like. But that doesn't happen without a lot of planning and preparation and ongoing care and sometimes a bit of cleanup. So that's one way to picture the goal where a home, big or small, as a little sanctuary where we can retreat you know, from the outside world. And that's because we put in the planning and care all day long to make it keep So it take me way. into the details of that. Because if someone came over to our little condo, they'd see it's not overly decorated. It's kind of Ikea furniture <laughs> and kind of streamlined with a lot of neutral colors. Whereas when we were at our older house in orange, it was a bit more Magnolia Farms and rustic. So yeah. how does that work? I think the greatest compliment a woman can hear is this home is so warm. I feel comfortable here. Mm. Um, and that's the goal. As the homemaker, our values and heart should make the home. And we could surround ourselves with things that express our joy and our, our family's joys for that's 
you know, for some it's mid-century modern, sure. for others farmhouse, others, you know, more minimal, still for others sporty memorabilia. But we need to remember- Not our- many wives are going to let their husbands put up their Aaron Rodgers signed jerseys everywhere, okay? Hey. But you never know, right? Totally. <laughs> but we need to remember house is the structure, just screws and drywall, but the home is the place we uniquely weave our roots, history, memories. That's good. Is it hard when there's multiple people living in a home to do that? Yes. Like when I like a kitchen table and hubby doesn't. Hubs. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> Hubs wanted a new kitchen table. Wifey did not. Hmm. Wonder There's who we're so talking many about. Memories from homeschooling it's a piece attached of wood. to that table. Yes. It's a piece of wood. It is, which is why we got rid of it. But part of being a homemaker is ensuring nobody feels homeless in the home. Hmm. So whether it's a situation where each child has a room and the ability to paint it or decorate it, or hubby gets a favorite chair, even just a little nook or favorite spot where someone can get away and read. My little porch outside. Yeah, yes. actually FDR mom had what she called a snuggery. It was just a little 10 by 10 room with two chairs, reading light and fireplace with no phone or television and a small table for two cups of tea. I, oh, really, I, I love, love that. that. Yeah, me too. I want to be there. It's not about the size. You know, it's about the orderliness. So part of being a homemaker is making sure everything has a place because a clean home acts as a bomb to soothe spirits and allows everyone in the family to relax. I saw an interesting stat the other day on that, that although American homes continue to grow in size, the amount of time cleaning them and keeping up the maintenance is declining. So we, <laughs> so we actually have a lot bigger spaces now, but they're far less manicured than they used to be. That's so interesting. Another role of the homemaker goes right back to that. I I am definitely a work in progress, but the goal is for everyone in the family to have responsibilities. Everything in the home should have a place. You know, every household task should have a routine so that instead of everyone being stressed, everything from meals to maintenance are planned in advance. What would you say to the young woman hearing this for the first time? And that all feels a little bit daunting. It does. Yeah. I would say don't focus on building your own monument, you know, about how big the house is or how perfect it looks or how behaved the kids are. I I would even add something here. I think so many decisions we make are how we can promote ourselves on Instagram. Don't do it. We're talking about that next week. Sorry. Instead, focus on serving your husband and family. <laughs> I mean, we can't talk about this week. I just say <laughs> we're going to do a whole episode on that next week. But instead, focus on serving your husband and family all for the glory of God and rejoice in all the ways that he allows you to do. Take those times, you know, during the day, whether it be posting a scripture in your laundry basket that reminds you to rejoice in what he's called you to do. Because as a Christian woman, you're prepared for creation to provide comfort, order, relaxation, and peace for your family and in your home. And if you focus on those things and glean from seasoned saints, the rest will take care of itself. That's really good. Okay, real quick, before we get practical, let's just debunk a couple of myths. Because I know there's somebody listening out there and he's like, yeah, I know people did that in the old days, but things have changed. You know, this homemaking stuff isn't all that tough. It's like a I don't know, a bunch of Kardashians sitting around getting their nails done or whatever. So, all right. Myth number one, let's just say there's someone saying housework isn't really hard work. What what do you say? I would say come clean a teenager's bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, any dad who's ever been left alone with just two toddlers gets that. Totally. And each life stage has moving parts. But when the babies are little, it's a rotation of feeding, cleaning, diapers, meal prep, interspersed with, you know, attempted trips to the store, which includes spills, spit up, and breaks for discipline. And then there's the schooling years. And if homeschooling, it's a rotation of various curriculums. There's Bible time, grading, doctor appointments, church events, meal planning. And then the teen years come with all the types of emotions and wonderful late night talks and acne meds and braces and all that wonderful stuff. Myth number two. Housework doesn't need to be done because everyone can fend for themselves. Who says that? Where did you get this? I don't, I don't know. Some <laughs> college kid in the dorm. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Like I mentioned, over time, processes can be built and there are great resources out there. Pam Forrester's material is 
awesome. But the reality is, is that if a mom isn't building and driving that process, the home will quickly fall to shambles and it, it won't be the peaceful place that God desires. That's good. Okay. Number three, this is another pretend myth. <laughs> Takeout food is just part of modern culture. I have tried to fight this like the plague and admittedly I am no chef, but there is something special about a home cooked meal, partly because it's cheaper over time than fast food. And also there's great nutritional benefit, but there's something to be said about the diligence of preparing a meal, you know, asking the family to be home at a certain time, showcasing that level of industry and then paving the path for dad to lead family worship. That doesn't mean it's five star four course all the time, but some level of home cooking three to four nights a week, you know, something that stabilizes the home front. And myth number four, unpaid menial activity is freeloading. Oh my, I'd say what I said earlier, a homemaker's work is never done. A toddler's room won't stay picked up. A fridge doesn't restock itself. A jean doesn't patch itself. Mm, come on. A husband doesn't give his Hubs. own shoulder massage. A second grader doesn't learn to read alone. A freshman doesn't learn geometry alone. The meal doesn't get cooked alone or the dishes clean alone. On and on it goes. Okay, let's move uber practical. For the couple listening and they're thinking, okay, I see the biblical backing here and I have a picture of what this could be. Now let's throw out a few ideas of ways they can actually become effective. Obviously, it's on my brother's first out there. You need to be okay with taking the helm on this, providing for the family, and even if it takes a while, allowing her to step back from the marketplace and recenter on the home. But let's assume everyone's agreed. Speak to how the ladies can grow in home management. Yes, there is an old saying, if you don't plan your life, someone will plan it for you. Mm. You've said that many oh, times good. to me. And that is a key place to start. The first thing to do is find an alone place. Grab a pen, a paper, write down a couple of goals for the home or even just priorities for the month and then jot out a scheduled plan on when and how to accomplish those. Because an unmanaged life is influenced by dominant people. Yes, and make sure that it is surrounded prayer. But if you don't drive the time, you know, someone else will. And I'd say start small, knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Like if you have toddlers, just decide on a nap and play schedule. And they begin working that into your rhythm, leaving yourself those nap times. We call them quiet times for home management or make it a goal to have the home clean and peaceful by the time hubby gets home every night. Or maybe consider meal planning and prepping and getting the entire home on a routine for meals and family worship. The key is selecting one major initiative and then building from there. It's always amazing how discipline breeds more discipline and anxiety begins to dissipate, whereas the opposite is equally true. And mm. disorganization breeds more disorganization and anxiety can build. And would you say that's seasonal? Absolutely. In The Life Ready Woman by Shanti Fedhan, I don't know if I said that correctly, she talks about the 10 stages of a woman's life. A single adult, single and engaged, newly married, preschoolers, grade schoolers, teens, empty nest, grandparent, widow, glorified saint. And generally speaking, each of those seasons requires a new type of homemaking plan. But the goal is to keep the main things the main things. And in each season, make sure we don't get distracted away from hubby, the kids are or our home and Okay, that sounds like a lot, but I want to ask the obvious question. Is there any time for relaxing or fun and all that? Yes, but it has to be planned. Mm. And this is something I'm working very hard on. Downtime needs to be built into the schedule or it will not happen. And often we get running so fast as homemakers that we have no time to enjoy memories, you know, disciple the heart issues or visit a friend in need. So take care of hubs. Yes. So what I would say is try to say no 
to the good things in order to accomplish the great things. Make sure you have a balanced schedule that allows you to be entirely focused wherever you are. And you have been a tremendous help. So thank you. Oh, my you're love amazing at this. I love you. Okay. So every year we do our goals and the kids do them too. Spiritual, mental, physical, and family categories. Yes. Right? And obviously priority number one is our spiritual discipline. So mm-hmm. part of being a godly homemaker is getting up before the kids, hitting our knees in prayer, spending time in the word, keeping a prayer journal, and even starting our day with a good workout so that by the time our kiddos get up, our outlook on the day is hopeful, motivated. Amen. That's Deuteronomy 6, when you sleep and when you rise. Any warnings for ladies entering the homemaking world? Just things I I learned very much so the hard way. (laughs) Um, Don't try to do everything at once. Be okay with saying no when it doesn't fit your schedule. Don't let the phone interrupt. Focus on the kids. Oh, so important. Don't put off the small things or they will mount up. If you plan to clean that dirty shower, go for it. Come on. Any encouragement? (laughs) Um, That you ladies listening aren't an accident. God wanted you here, not for your own pleasure, but for his with a purpose and a hope. And because the years pass by so quickly, don't waste one. Treasuring every little coup of the newborn, every snotty mess of the toddler Mm. and every driving test with the teen. Make it all count. It's really good. Any secret tidbits? The Homemaker's Handbook by Pat Ennis. It talks about everything we just did, but then there's like 300 yeah, pages of practical help for someone who who is looking for an example. This is gold. For example, there's an entire chapter on how to build the nest, which has entire lists on room safety, first aid, spiritual safety, cooking utensils, credit history, home care schedule, <laughs> linens, appliances, so much more. And just to clarify, that's called The Homemaker's Handbook by Pat Ennis. Yes. And also by another gal, I think it's Dorothy something. And there's even a bargain bulletin board in there. So guys, if you just want to find ways to save money, have your wife flip through that. And even a master grocery prep list, it is legit. You'll, you'll dig it. Legit. Legit. Too legit to quit. Hey, hey. Hey, well, come on. <laughs> look at us. Bust it out from the nineties. Okay. Let's wrap this up. We talked principles, pictures, a few myths and the practical. Any last words to all the current and future homemakers out there? What would you say? Just not to be anxious. Where God guides, mm. He does provide, and not to fear the world's opinion because managing a home and raising children really is an unspeakable joy. That's good. Heavenly Father, we know there are women listening who are homemakers, others who desire to be homemakers, and still others who aren't yet in a position to be homemakers. Would you guide all of them to your will in your time so that they can experience, like my wife just said, the joys of this high calling? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Date Night fam, we love you so much. A special thanks to everyone at FTG, Ethan, our producer, and the family of Mission Bible Church. Leave us a review, find us on Instagram. Most of all, keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family. Hugs. Hugs.